Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Talking Trading. I'm your host, financial journalist, Caroline Stephen. Einstein said, the power of compounding was the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it earn it, and those who don't pay it. Today's episode of Talking Trading features Gary Stone, the founder of Share Wealth Systems. And according to Gary, everybody can be an investor, everybody can beat every active mutual fund, and everybody can retire on a large nest egg. But the mutual fund industry doesn't want you to believe that, otherwise they lose money. So they make it sound hard, they spread myths, they give incomplete information about your money, and say that you can't manage it yourself. But Gary, in his new book, Blueprint to Wealth, proves The exact opposite is true, and in today's interview, we hear how everyday investors can build and protect their nest eggs with simple ETF and index fund investing. But first up, let's kickstart the show with Louise Bedford in MindPower on how action precedes feeling. I want you to act as if... There are a host of psychological studies that say that action precedes feeling. If you're feeling tired, then if you act with energy, you'll get energy. If you act the way that you want to feel, it just seems that your feelings follow. Give it a shot. You want a better relationship with your spouse or your friend? Then do the actions that say that you already have a fantastic relationship. Want to be a better trader? Do the things that fantastic traders do. You'll find the results will follow. And remember, you're not yet a trading diamond, but you're a wonderful piece of coal. A bit of extra pressure, education and focus, and you will become the trader that you are meant to be. To master anything, you need to pay attention to the masters. We're going to give you monthly in-depth recordings for 24 months with Talking Trading Gold. Go to talkingtradinggold.com.au for inspiring ongoing education. talkingtradinggold.com.au Gary Stone is the founder of ShareWealth Systems. He's the creator of Beyond Charts and the developer of the SPA3 trading system. 
He just released his new book, Blueprint to Wealth, which is a step-by-step guide to empower everyday investors to achieve a better life and retirement nest egg. It details the massive underperformance by the active mutual funds and how 15 minutes every three months can bring you financial freedom in your retirement. We welcome Gary to the show. Gary Stone, hello and welcome back to Talking Trading. It's good to be back again, Caroline. Gary, the reason for this interview is your new book, A Blueprint to Wealth. I read it all. I loved it. The information contained in it should be read by every single investor. You talk about the importance of investing and retiring. And you talk about if you don't look after your nest egg correctly, you could be losing as much as $2 million over the long term. I'm going to start by a quote that you had in your book by Josh Billings. Genius ain't anything more than elegant common sense. Gary, everybody can beat nearly every active mutual fund, you say. Well, there are two simple reasons. So, and this is the message of the book. And one of the messages of the book is, is fees is one. So, um, so people typically end up ticking a box uh, when they join a, a company. And I'm talking about everyday people here, not people that necessarily even see themselves as investors. And the box they tick is deciding which uh, superannuation fund or which 401k uh, in the United States that they are going to invest their their retirement money in. And But that box typically ends up with money going into a diversified or a balanced fund of some sort. And along with that comes paying higher fees than what they, ought, than what they should be paying. And their money gets diversified into lower-performing asset classes. So that's the crux of it. Those are the two main reasons why people forfeit a lot of their retirement nest egg. And there's an expression, fee-fleeced. Yes. Now, people don't realize they're being fee-fleeced because they don't know. They don't actually spend the time to look at what the alternatives are, how much less or how how much more they could be paying in fees. So they just take... Whatever's out there, if you like, I refer to a term of of people deferring to the social default. And the social default is what the masses do. And they go into a superannuation fund, which is typically balanced. We know 75 to 80% of people that tick the box on a form end up in a balanced fund. And they think they are paying lower fees because that's what the adverts and on TV and radio and everybody every and billboards even on freeways tell us. But in actual fact they could be paying as much as twice to seven times higher the fees even in an industry super fund. You've said that active mutual funds industry can and does propagate incomplete information. They're a misspread to convince you not to grow your nest egg. Absolutely. So so the whole the industry is is weighted towards uh, subtle messages and, and some not so subtle messages that say you can't do this yourself. And the reason for that effectively is that, is that they make their revenue through fees. And if the more people that did it themselves, the less fees there would be that, that would go into the industry. So they put messages out like you can't do this yourself. It's too difficult. They throw jargon around. They even put misinformation out trying to convince you using an incomplete evidence to to try and prove to you that you can't do it yourself. And one of the things I do in the book, in fact, I spend a whole chapter uh, just proving the exact opposite, and and, I call it a a paradox, uh, because the the evidence actually shows that uh, that you can do it yourself and that the, the reasons that they give that you can't 
do it yourself is, is the exact opposite. So I spent quite a bit of time going into that okay, and so hopefully dispel that myth. Yeah. Let's dispel that myth now. What can people do? Well, what people can do is uh, is take an interest and in, by reading the book, by you know, reading other books, and and just learning a bit more about it. So, you know, one of Stephen Covey's key phrases that he always spoke about was was seek to understand first. And I think too few people seek to understand, and hence defer to the social default because they see this area as, as being too difficult, and so they go along with the masses, thinking that if everybody's doing it, it must be okay. And unfortunately, they find out when they get to retirement, that it's not okay and that maybe they should have sought to understand a bit earlier in their, in their lives, in which case they would have been many hundreds of thousands of dollars better off. The other point to make is that people don't see themselves as investors, but everybody who is uh, putting away money on a monthly basis into a superannuation fund or a 401k or an IRA is an investor, and they, they owe it to themselves to actually seek to understand a bit more, and, and that's really what they should be doing. Okay, so let's talk about index funds, how they perform, why you think they should be the backbone of someone's portfolio. Okay, now, now there's been there's tons of information around on uh, on the internet, on uh, and books and white papers and and PDFs and all sorts of things, and you just need to go and and, and search for for index investing, uh, and people will just get absolutely obliterated with the amount of information out there. And it's been out for some time. So you've got people, and I quote John Bogle in the book and even Warren Buffett, you know, where they advocate index investing. Now, despite, and I think uh, Vanguard turned 40 a couple of weeks ago, and John Bogle and Vanguard have, have been you know, the, the first proponents of, of index investing. And the evidence shows quite clearly that multi-decade investing over the long term is that hardly anybody, and you know, the longer the term it goes, the closer it gravitates to zero. When I say anybody, I mean any managed or mutual fund actually beats the index. Now, despite the evidence that quite clearly shows that quite emphatically, the amount of money that's being invested into, into index funds, either index mutual funds or managed funds or through index ETFs, is still a tiny proportion of the total amount of money that's being invested into, into managed funds or mutual funds. So let me qualify that in Australia, it's around about uh, 2% of money is, is actually invested in, in index funds. In, Australia, in, in the United States, it's about 16%. That's quite a lot higher. And this is your passion. This is your mission to bring this everyday understanding to the average investor, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's not only that, certainly the average investor. So, so the book talks about two very specific strategies. One is, is, a, uh, is available to every, every investor out there. Uh, don't have to be active, don't even have to take an interest. But the book goes to lengths to, to prove to people using evidence, hard-nosed evidence. Do you, if you just invest in an index over the long term, because we're talking multi-decade investing here, not, not multi-month or multi-year investing, because that's what you know, people end up being in a, in a superannuation fund for, for 20, 30, 40 years, um, is that the index is going to beat every other alternative out there over that long term. But the point I also want to make is that there are a lot of people who are not everyday investors, that is they take, they've got an inclination to be a bit more active, either they trade or they, or they, or they look after or they, they pick stocks, is that, is that even those people who are trading, they, they might be trading with a small amount of money either in leverage instruments or elsewhere. It's amazing, and I've found through interviewing you know, dozens of people, they're spending this time and effort on trading small amounts of money, but their big nest egg 
is sitting at a balanced fund somewhere, really underperforming the index. <laughs> Even the non-everyday investor should be doing something about that as well. I want to talk about diversification, which is a strategy that the mutual funds employ. Why is it a poor risk money management strategy for multi-decade investing? Okay, because the longer the term you invest, the the higher the volatility, the instrument that you invest in, that's without leverage, but just unleveraged, so i.e. the stock market. So the stock market is, is viewed as the highest volatility asset class that uh, that a mutual fund or a managed fund would invest in. You know, the others would be bonds, obviously, is the next biggest asset class. In fact, it's probably you know, just as big. Then there's people would go, uh, managed funds would also invest into private equity, which would typically be hedge funds, property, infrastructure. Uh, and these asset classes, over the long term, perform worse than the stock market. So the moment you diversify, the moment a fund, a long-term managed fund, diversifies into another asset class, they are putting money into a lesser performing asset class, which means it's going to effectively be a handbrake on performance. And so let's look at a statistic here. A 32-year-old starting with $40,000 planning to retire at 67, contributing $6,000 a year will forfeit 53% of their nest egg due to fees and diversification. Absolutely. So the way that's worked out is taking what the index has done in, in the Australian market and, this, and the US market's not that different. The difference is about 25 or to 2.8% compounded per annum. Is and, he, and you do that over 35 years for the 32-year-old, um, and that 25 to 2.8% difference is a combination of paying higher fees to a managed fund, and that typically is around about 0.75 of the equation, maybe a little bit more depending on what fund you go into, and diversification, the loss of compounded growth through diversification, and, and maybe some other fees in there like advisor fees. That 2.86% will eat half of your nest egg away, more than half away. And that example, I think, if I go off the top of my head, it turns out to be uh, about $1.5 million is what, will be, is what will be forfeited over that 35 years. And what is it Einstein said? The power of compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. Absolutely. And those that understand it earn it, and those that don't pay it. <laughs> now, you've set your 27-year-old daughter up in a fund that you've created. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's a good story. She, she came to me about, um, started, in fact, October. Next month, it'll be three years since I started this, this journey to research and write the book. And she came to me uh, beginning of last year, so about 18 months ago. And she said, Dad, you know, you're in this and I understand that uh, you know, I'm your daughter and I should be doing a bit more than what I'm doing. What should I do? Which stock should I start looking at? How do I learn this whole gig? Do I start looking at annual reports or do I start looking at charts like you do? And I thought, wow, you know, I've had a journey and a half here where I've, I've studied intently both fundamental and technical analysis. And when I started, you know, in, uh, in 1989, the, the concept of an ETF didn't exist. So there, there wasn't even an alternative. And even then, in, in Australia, you know, we were still, in 1989, we were still eight years away from an index managed fund even existing in Australia. So it <laughs> didn't even enter my radar. But then looking back, I said, wow, this is what I'm researching. What you should do is this. And I went and researched the specific example of, of the super fund that she was in and how it was performing and how it had performed. And, and then I looked at the ASX 20 index and the ASX 200, 300 and ASX 50 in Australia. And over the last 23 years, 
the ASX 20 has performed the best of all the indices in Australia. And guess what? There's not a single super fund, not one out of the 350 that has come within Kui of the ASX 20 with dividends reinvested. And that excludes that excludes dividend uh, or franking credits. So if you put franking credits on, you get another 0.4% compounded per annum out of that as well. So I said, well, this is the situation. Uh, set up a self-managed super fund, uh, which she did, and she got the first two years an establishment fee for free. And she has now become a self-managed super fund um, owner, if you like. And she started that strategy, which she's going to do. She does it for the next 40 years, and she does that based on the last 23 years of performance. She's going to be $1.5 million ahead of where she would have been if she had just stuck with her balanced uh, industry super fund. Wow. Let's talk about ETFs. Why do you recommend them as the best way to deploy this strategy? Well, firstly, um, the ETFs have lower fees compared to index funds. That, that's the first thing. Um, so if you look at the equivalent, just take Vanguard, for instance, which is, which is the most well-known here in Australia. Uh, the Vanguard All Shares Index Managed Fund versus VAS, Victor Alpha Sierra, which is uh, the equivalent uh, index ETF listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. The uh, management fees are 0.6% compounded per annum less in the ETF. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is they are far more accessible so you don't have to fill out a piece of paper and send it off with a, a check or whatever to to actually enter into the fund. You can the exchange traded fund. You just uh, if you've got a broker, you you just transact it on the on the stock exchange. Um, so you can access it intraday, any day you like, rather than sending off a form and a piece of paper. So those are the those are the two main reasons. Um, there are others in terms of 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 actually putting your ongoing money your ongoing superannuation money in. What my daughter does is once every four months, she takes the last four months and she puts it together as a single transaction, if you like, and she goes and buys more of the uh, of the ETF. Uh, and sorry, the last one is a dividend reinvestment plan, is the dividend reinvestment plan will um, will automatically buy more every time there's, there's a dividend paid. Which, uh, sorry, one more benefit, the ETF pays dividends more regularly than the index fund as well, which means there's, you, you're getting your money into the market more regularly when, when there's a dividend, which means that you get more compounding as well through the ETF. What are your favourite ETFs? Which ones would you recommend? In the Australian market, if you are just going to be a long-term buyer and holder of the ETF, reinvest the dividends and once a quarter or every four months, or even if, you, if you're on a large salary and you're, getting, you're making sufficiently large contributions such that your brokerage becomes a small component of your contribution, you would go into the ASX20. The long-term performance of the ASX20 has been better than the other indices in Australia, and that ETF is, uh, is ILC. For my, for my accent, that is, uh, that is Indigo Lima Charlie, ILC. Thanks for that. And, uh, and that, that one, over the long-term, multi-decade investing with reinvested dividends and also your once-a-year franking credit, getting a, your franking credit back into your super fund, buying that again and reinvesting that would be the easiest way to do it. However, if you are going to deploy some timing of the index, which is what we do, which I talk about in the book as well, um, then you would probably be, be better to use STW, which is the ASX 200 in Australia, or VAS, which is the ASX 300. Why, Gary? Uh, because they are more liquid. And the, the, the research that I've done indicates that we would be turning over the, when I say turning over, you'd be buying or selling the index on average about every two and a half times a year. 
and, and when you do that, uh, you want to have um, an ETF that's a little bit more liquid, a little bit more mainstream, and, and those two, the ASX 200 and 300, have that. Uh, the other one, which is also up there with accessibility, is the ASX 50, which is SFY, Sierra Foxtrot Yellow. <laughs> Let's talk about when a bear market hits. What do people do with this strategy? Well, if, if you're a buy and holder, so the instance of my daughter, you know, she won't even bother with, uh, with, with what's going on in the market. She'll just execute every three or four months. And that's the reason for that is this whole concept of what's called sequence of returns risk. And sequence of returns risk tells you that when volatility, when negative volatility occurs in your life span of investing matters. And the closer you have negative volatility, particularly you know, large negative volatility, such as we had in 2008 where the market retraced 56%, the closer that happens to retirement or, or if it happens in retirement, the bigger the negative effect it has on your long-term scenario. Whereas the younger you are and the further you are from retirement when you actually need this money, the less effect it has. So you want to, when you're younger, 20, 30, 40, probably even in your early 50s, it doesn't really matter as a long-term multi-decade investor that the market retraces 50% because all the rest of the time you get the benefit of that volatility. But if it happens a year or two before you retire or during retirement, you don't have, you don't have the time for the market to recover and rise again to get for your savings to rise. So where, as you get closer to retirement, the idea should be to try and avoid a large bear market. And that's where the timing comes in. But your 27-year-old daughter won't even think about it. She won't even think about it. Her, her mindset should be you know, to embrace that volatility because it's that very volatility that gets that extra 2.5% compounded per annum over the alternatives. And if you don't need the money right now or you don't need it in the next five or six years, and I use the term five or six years because most large bear markets fully recover within five or six, mark, five or six years when you include dividends. So, um, so if you don't need the money now, then you shouldn't even worry about the volatility. You just continue executing the strategy. Gary, how can people get involved with the Blueprint to Wealth? And I recommend everybody does. <laughs> the BlueprintToWealth.com is where people can go and they can see what the book's about. They can see an interview there with myself and Jack Canfield. And they can order the book through the, through the website as well. Or that it only got released on Monday, so it's still uh, promulgating its way through Amazon and all the other book resellers. If you search hard enough, you'll find it on Amazon, either in, in a Kindle version, even other, and you can order it through the Australian through Australian books bookstores, Amazon bookstore as well. But BlueprintToWealth.com is the place to go. And there's Ian's investment plan on there as well. Thanks for raising that. It's uh, what we've done. I've included two pretty detailed investment plans. One is a buy and holder, as my daughter is you know, for the rest of her days, in a single ETF and just contributes more and, and reinvests the dividends and the div- and the franking credits. And that's that's the first plan, if you like. The second, which is Ian's investment plan, is a combination of 65% of the capital goes into a single ETF and you time that ETF to avoid bear markets. And uh, and what you take, what you also do is you take 35% of the capital and you focus on about a dozen or 10 is what we've done in the plan, just 10 large cap, highly liquid, strong trending stocks that are household names either in Australia or in the United States because the plan really covers the United States market. And and you would do some long-term timing on those on those stocks as well. And that, that portfolio, Ian's 
Ian's investment plan, as, as we've called it, is a real money portfolio that we are, we are investing you know, real money in it and, and we're tracking that compared to the alternatives, which would be balanced funds or target date funds, uh, typical of what you'd have in the industry super fund. Gary, I wish you all the best with the book. Thanks for coming on to Talking Trading. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on again, Caroline. And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week to hear Chris Tate on a wrap of the markets. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.